happy Mother's Day. Um, again, I am Phil. I'm not the regular guy. The regular guy's the good-looking guy with the red beard back there. So anyway, um, as discipleship pastor here, I get to be one of the people that gets to lead our churches, the hands and feet of Christ into our community. And um, God has opened up some really amazing doors uh, for me to do that. And one of the things that I get the privilege of sitting on is something called the School Attendance Review Board for Dixon Unified School District. Um, I bring to the table uh, something unique that everybody else there doesn't bring. I'm sitting there with a lot of people from um, like family stabilization, Solano County, uh, principals, um, psychologists, um, other teachers that are there and stuff. And, and um, the thing that I bring is the fact that I barely graduated high school and um, didn't do very well in school and ditched a lot of classes and screwed up a lot. And so I can see things from a unique perspective when some of the kids walk in there. But one of the things that that has led to is something that I'm just incredibly excited to be a part of. And it's called the Alpha Project. And the Alpha Project was the brainchild of somebody named Kim Chu. Um, and the Alpha Project brings together counselors um, and mentors with young men um, from our community who really struggle in, in life. It's, uh, they might have issues with drugs. They might have issues with just a family that's not stable, that's kind of all over the place. Um, they, they're just trying to figure out life. And um, more than likely, they've been in trouble with the law at some point. But we're trying to get that changed for them. And so I got asked to be a part of that project a while back. And like I said, I get to serve with these guys who are uh, incredible counselors who have some life experiences that are beyond anything I think we could you know, imagine in and of ourselves. Um, they are trained and certified in uh, substance abuse counseling. And I'm going to try and quit saying uh, um, uh. Substance abuse counseling is really hard. And uh, anger management, they did it again. So now you guys are going to be focused on that the rest of the service. But one of the guys I get to work with, his name is Daniel. And when we had our meeting a week ago this past Friday, we got together with the, the students that we were working with, and we got together with all the counselors and mentors in one room. Um, Superintendent Dolan was there with us, and Mayor uh, Tom Bogue was with us. And we got to hear one of the counselors, one of the mentors, read a poem that he had written to his mom for Mother's Day. I want to make sure everybody can see this. So can I get somebody to drop the lights back there in the back? Um, and then we'll run this. Daniel's going to read a poem that he wrote to his mom for Mother's Day. I wanted to have him here this morning with us, but due to extenuating circumstances and stuff beyond our control, he couldn't be here. I'll explain later. But go ahead and run that. Happy Mother's Day. Mother's Day should be every day, not just one day of the year. For the struggle of life you go through, work, stress, and unseen tears. From the things I know I put you through, thinking that I'm grown. But you, from you I came, dirty diapers, snotty nose and old. How can I repay it? Long nights and short days. When I was sick, that one hug had colds gone away. I think about it now, as time flows on by. But you really mean to me on this day, at this point in my life. Behind this wall today, just to show me you care about my life that you gave me. I see my troubles aren't all that fair. To burden you with, but I just don't know how to say. The things I'm feeling, I act out and express in other ways. So I will take time to listen, because you just might know the path. A trouble less travels, because my way has been all bad. Maybe we can work together and bring us something new. Like love, hugs, and talks. Remember, I am little you. 
So on this day, I bring forth two ears in my heart to listen to you every day so we don't grow any further apart. I do love you, Mom, and it saddens me to say that it took this to change my ways. But know that I love you, and happy Mother's Day. Wow. Um, as you may have noticed, there was a number of guys in that room that were wearing all the same color. That room is the L-top, which is out at CSP Solano, Solano State Prison. And that's, uh, Daniel lives in a housing unit off the A yard. That's a level three yard at Solano. He was 18 years old when he was sentenced to 60 years to life for a double murder. Um, he's done 24 years of that so far out there. And I've got the privilege of working with these guys who, like any of us, you know, we made mistakes when we were younger. I know I did. But um, it's awesome to watch their lives changing and watch them desiring to give back. Um, there is a chance now under new laws that he might get out at some point. But most of these guys that we work with out there will die in prison. Um, but they wanted to be a part of the LTOP program or part of the Alpha Project, which stands for a life of purpose, hope, and achievement. And they came up with that name. They came up with that because they wanted to give back for what they've done. You might wonder what this all has to do with Mother's Day and, and even more so in our series, Better Together. The topic that Jeff and I had settled on for today, he actually said, which one do you want to choose? And so I chose one and then it ended up falling on Mother's Day, but it's called Pride, the Relationship Killer. That's the topic for today's sermon. And the way that fits in and why I wanted to have Daniel, and now you can understand why he couldn't be here this morning, um, but why I wanted to have his, his poem read was because as Daniel and I talked about his relationship with his mom and just how he ended up getting there, pride was a huge part of it. When he was out on the streets in Sacramento banging, for those of you that aren't sure what that is, it's gang-banging. You know, he's running with a gang out on the streets. Um, part of what he was looking for was respect. And he wanted people to respect him. He wanted to belong to something. And so much of that comes from thinking about ourselves. And when we think about ourselves in a way where we want to get up on others or, or be in a way that people need to respect us, that's coming from a root of pride. C.S. Lewis who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, those, those books and stuff, and, and was considered to be by many one of the greatest you know, biblical scholars, one of the greatest people to represent Christ in the 20th century, um, looks at pride this way. He says, pride is the great sin. Pride is the thing that comes between us and others. It's the thing that's at the root of conceit. It's also the thing that keeps us from having a relationship and causes broken relationship. When you look back through the Bible at where you've seen pride come up, you go clear back to where Lucifer fell from, from heaven. And why did he fall from heaven? I mean, we don't talk about that a whole lot in church, but he wanted to be worshipped at a greater level than God. That's pride. When we want something more for ourselves than, than what God wants for us. God probably had great plans for him, but he wanted what he wanted. And so we do what we do because we want what we want. For me, as Daniel and I talked about pride... He said that it's part of what had really driven him. And it was part of what drove a wedge in the relationship between him and his mom, or made it struggle. And I thought about the same thing for me, where my pride had affected my relationship with my mom. 
Okay, again, you guys know I'm an emotional person if you've been here before. Um, someday I'll get over that. But anyway, um, it did a lot of damage in my relationship. It's done a lot of damage in those guys out there. And as we look at the root of what got a bunch of them there, it was pride. In Webster's Dictionary, um, or the English, learners, English language learners, pride is described like this. A feeling that you respect yourself and deserve to be respected by other people. A feeling that you're more important or better than other people. A feeling of happiness that you get when someone you know does something good, difficult, or etc. Pride can be a good thing. We take pride in our work. We take pride in a job well done. We take pride in our kids. But when that pride becomes self-glorifying, when we're looking for us to be lifted up, that's where it goes really, really wrong. Pride, like C.S. Lewis saying, being the root of all sins... Why do people do what they do? Why do people murder somebody else? Well, because I feel I was disrespected by that person. Why do people steal from somebody else? Well, I feel like I deserve what I'm taking from them. They don't deserve it. So I'm focusing on myself again. Why do I lie? Because I want to be seen in a better way. I mean, run on down the list, and it all falls back to pride. It all falls back to us wanting to be seen in a way that's different than God created us to be seen. It gets full of ourselves. I want to look at a story where we see pride, and and the reason I want to look at this particular story is because of who Jesus calls out in this. He calls out a Pharisee. And the Pharisees were those that, in Jesus' day, knew the law, the Levitical law that Moses had laid down, and they adhered to it. I mean, they lived their lives by the letter of the law. And they were the kind of the religious elite of that day. They would separate themselves from people that practiced in other ways, you know, so that they could be pure and so that they could be clean. And I think sometimes for us that we sit here in the church, you know, and I know Living Hope is a a lot of broken, messed up people. Um, That's Otherwise you wouldn't let me be one of the pastors here. Um, But we see these times when we're running into people out on the streets and we feel like we're better because, well, we go to church or we're a Christian or we're this or we're that. And so in Luke 18, we see the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up at heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. This is he beat his chest. That was... In those days, a real sign of just, I'm, man, I've screwed up. It wasn't King Kong, but it was a sign of, I've, I've screwed up. I'm, I'm, I'm nobody, I, 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 I'm not worthy to be here talking to you. Which really tells us a lot about how we're supposed to be. And so which do we want to be? Do we want to be like the tax collector who recognizes our position in light of a holy God? Or do we want to be like the Pharisee who tells God how awesome we are? I think it's interesting you drop into Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. I want you to hear this. 
Okay. Anytime you get something that's like this passage, you really need to listen. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. Now that should make you stop every time you run on something like that. That, that is very plain English about what God hates. We need to know these things. Haughty eyes. Remember we just read something about somebody looking down on somebody? Haughty eyes are when we look down on others, when we think we're better than somebody else. When we look at, uh, you know, it's, it's not hard to walk into a place and look at somebody because of where they are in life or a homeless person or somebody in prison or somebody of a different race or just you name it. There are all these reasons that people look down on other people, but we think we're better than other people. Haughty eyes. Listen to what comes next. A lying tongue. Our hands that shed innocent blood. God has put right up there with looking down upon somebody equal with murder. And yet how many times have we felt like, yeah, you know, I'm better than that person. Why don't you just kill them? If you think you're better than them, God's put it right there at the same level. Do you see the, what we're getting at here? A heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush to evil. A false witness who pours out lies. When was the last time you were at work or at school or out in your neighborhood or something? And you, as we like to make it more mellow, exaggerated the truth. I know I've done it. To make yourself look better. Seem like you were more than you were. Or that you wanted to be seen in a better light in front of somebody right up there with murder. And a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Let me clarify that one. It's not just a man, and it's not just brothers. What they mean there is a man or woman who stirs up dissension among brothers or sisters. When was the last time you were caught in gossiping about somebody? Or not? maybe not caught, maybe you got away with it, but God saw it. Or we were talking bad about somebody else. Or trying to win somebody over to your side so you could win an argument rather than being humble and going, you know what, I'd rather have love in this relationship than to win this argument. I know for me, that's one I've struggled with. Um, Several weeks back, I got up here to do the service host duties. And during first service, I just was hammered up here. I uh, came up and it was like God wasn't going to let me share what I was going to share as a service host until I spoke to the fact that my relationship with my wife, Angela, I had really been, how do I say it, a a jerk. I said something else back on that day, but um, people commented on it, and so I'm not going to say that I was an ass in church again. Um, So, but um, I was a real jerk, and um, to my wife, and it was because of the fact that, right back to that first definition, I felt that she was not respecting me. And so rather than being loving, I shut her out for like a day and a half. And I was just ugly and I meditated. And when I say shut her out, I just didn't talk to her. Um, and I was treating my son the same way. And God brought me here and humbled me and made me confess that in front of everybody. That was rooted in pride. That was rooted in the fact that I had not felt respected by my wife. And yet she hadn't done anything. It was my sense of what respect should look like. Or even the fact that I feel like, man, she needs to respect me. 
I should just flat be honored to have her as my wife and the fact that she puts up with me. Um, And that's not who I am all the time, but it's who I can be when I start letting pride move to the forefront, when I start thinking I'm bigger than I am without God. Because God in my life and him tempering my life would have never let me go there. It's when I set God aside and say, I can do this on my own, that I move to those places where I end up falling flat on my face. I could tell you a funny story about somebody falling flat on their face, but I'm not going to go there. Um, You're welcome, Amy. (laughs) Um, We'll let her tell that sometime. But Anyway, yeah, I think we've got to look at the fact that pride is something that God absolutely detests. In James 4, 6, and again in 1 Peter, we hear these words that come from uh, Psalms, I believe it is. But, um, But he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When you look up what opposes means in the original language, it means that God's going to be at war. The word he uses there means at war. So it's not just, I oppose you, but it's, I'm going to be at war with you when you're proud, when you puff yourself up, when you come out from under who you're supposed to be in front of a holy God. God's going to be at war with us. And so when we get prideful about something, we're really painting a target on our back and saying, God, you know, take me out. And he will. There's a story in Acts where Herod, after killing James, was given a talk to the people, a public address like this, and the people were like, wow, this is not the voice of a man. This is the voice of God. And he didn't give God credit, and immediately he was struck down by an angel and eaten by worms. That's kind of serious, I know. Let's not talk about people getting eaten by worms on Mother's Day. But, you know, it's a Mother's Day message. So, he got eaten by worms. He became like plant food that made pretty flowers grow that we can give away on Mother's Day. How's that? So we'll tie it in that way. I learned that one from Matt, you know, just kind of that way to get around, back to getting on track and stuff. But uh, so that's, you know, that's how God feels about it. God will destroy us if we don't let go of that pride. He's not going to accept it. He's not going to stand in front of with it. He's not going to let it be something that is in our lives. I think what's interesting to me is that for me, my wife and my mom, in looking at their lives and how they do things, and how a lot of moms do things, really can sum up kind of the way that we're supposed to look at things and how we're supposed to do life in relationship to pride. In Philippians 2.3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. I think what Paul's getting at here, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote this letter to the Philippian church, is that the very root of Jesus himself and what he did and the example that he set for us, that Jesus... God in flesh coming to earth didn't come here to be served, but to serve and seek and save the lost. I've never had any greater examples than some of the moms that I've looked at and how they deny themselves and deal with picking up our dirty underwear off the bathroom floor and off the back of the knob on the door, and I'm giving you guys too much information about our house. Um, but, and how they put up 
with us and where we've been. You know, I think of my mom and the nights that she was up praying for me at 2 o'clock in the morning when I'd come back in after being out on meth for 10 days and not sleeping, and I'd come back into the house, and then I'd go into my room and start looking at porn in her house. Those things that broke her heart, and yet she still loved me. She still prayed for me. I remember one day coming in and telling her, shut the up and quit praying for me. And she said, I can't do that. She continued to love me in spite of who I was. And right up through the time that I went to prison, she still came and visited me every time the visiting center was open and that she could. She sent me letters and she prayed for me. She never stopped praying for me. She was one of my greatest advocates on the outside and getting others to pray for me. It was an unconditional love. It was a love that didn't require me to serve her. But she served me when I didn't deserve to be served. And I was talking to Daniel about his mom, who I think is probably out there today, to visit her son on Mother's Day. And he told me, my mom didn't really know how to do it because she was adopted and hadn't had a great example. He said, but she's trying. She's doing all she can. So I throw that out there. That there are moms that are out there that maybe haven't had a great example, that need a mom that knows how to do it, to come alongside them, to disciple them, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and helping them love on their family. Because I'll tell you right now, the prison out there is full of people whose moms were trying hard. My mom did a great job. I was very fortunate. She did a great job doing what she was supposed to do. I was just too prideful to listen. Fortunately, God ended up taking me to a place where I had to be still and know that he was God. And for a lot of the guys that I work with out there in the LTOP program with the Alpha Project, they've reached that point where they know their lives is about pouring it out to somebody else, regardless of what they grew up in. And so many of those guys grew up in broken homes or with a teenage mom that had gotten pregnant with them. And she tried, she tried the best she could, but ladies... There are people that need you out there, that need you to be following Christ wholeheartedly so that you can lead them on a path of how God intended for things to be with a mom. And so I challenge you today, find some place where you can plug in. And if you're a mom that's here this morning, and you've been struggling to know how to raise your kids, struggling with where they're at, and am I doing the right thing by them? Don't just wait for somebody to look you up. Go find somebody and say, can I follow you? Look around for somebody who's doing it right. Somebody who you can see that's like, wow, I wish I could be a mom like that. And follow them. Young ladies, before you're a mom, get with somebody who can disciple you and who can mentor you. Because I will just tell you, as that pastor said before, as the, the little clip said before, train your children up in the ways of the Lord when they're old. When they're 51, they won't depart from it. It was the verses that my mom had taught me night after night. And all this time she forced me to church. That when I ended up locked up in G117 at DVI prison, came rushing back to my head and made me realize that with God all things are possible and I can be a new creation. I'm not going to have to live in the train wreck of the life that I created for myself through stubborn pride. 
one of the other guys out there, John, who's doing life, has seen his mom once in 28 years. She lives in Texas. And I was out there on Friday, and he started to share about the time that he'd seen his mom, because Mother's Day's coming up, and we were talking about Mother's Day. And John started to cry. And the only time he ever saw his mom, she asked him, Johnny, what did I do that caused you to make these choices? Johnny's down on murder. And he tried to plead with her. It wasn't you, Mom. There are moms out there that need encouragement because they've had sons like me. Be the hands and feet of Jesus to them. Thanks for letting me share that this morning with you guys. I love my mom. And things are changing for her now. Where she's not there all the time. Now I get to serve her. And love her. But I'm so grateful for her and for my wife. Of really demonstrating what it is to be Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you never leave us or forsake us, regardless of our circumstances. Wherever we are, whether locked up or out in a job or in the community, wherever we are, just sitting in church, God, you are there. You are with us. You're there for us. Father God, I thank you for mothers. I pray, God, that you would heal relationships that have been strained. Pray, God, that you would strengthen moms as they look to you to be all that you've created them to be so they can help bring about a bright future. Lord, I know there are moms out there too that are also struggling with the fact that I feel like I did everything I could. What went wrong? Lord, comfort them, I pray. Let them know that we do make our own choices. God, I pray that you would restore relationships. And Lord, I just pray for those moms out here who have done it pretty well and are pretty gifted at it. God, help them to see somebody they can walk alongside of. For those moms that are out there that are struggling, give them the courage to reach out to somebody and say, can you walk with me on this? I mean, I to, to just drop her pride and, and say, I need help. I'm not sure I'm doing this well. Would you walk with me? And God, I pray that you build up those relationships. God, I thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. That when there's complete surrender and no pride, but when we come before him with utter humility and say, here I am, I want to do it your way. That he wraps his loving arms around us and says, follow me. And man, our lives start to become meaningful and have purpose and we see who we were created to be. God, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, just stir their heart. Lord, help us not to feel like we can do it on our own because we can't. We'll end up maybe making it look good, but we'll screw up at some point, someplace, even at the end when there would be eternal separation from you. So Lord, just stir hearts this morning. I pray that relationships would be started with you because there's where our hope is. In Jesus' name, your name. Amen. Amen.